Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Paul Faust, otherwise known around the world as Cool Guy Paul, from when he had his cameo on the TV show The Office. Ahead, this is just an awesome episode about sales, starting a business, and finding happiness. I think you're really, really going to like it. So let's just jump right into it. Okay, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, to be here. Yeah, you're in uh, New York, outside of the city in Westchester, and you've got a cool telecommunications company, Ring Boost. Um, we'll hear all about it. Uh, but let's start where we always start the podcast. You know, in the early days of your career, were you an entrepreneurial kid? Like, how'd you how'd you find your your way into this path? I've always, 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 always been an entrepreneurial kid. I mean, from elementary school of selling cards door to door, having the paper route, shoveling driveways, you name it. I found a way to sell it, market it. My dad used to go to business. I uh, used to go to Switzerland. He would bring back Swatch watches. I would sell them to the teachers. So. It's all I've ever known how to do is talk, communicate, sell, you know, be creative. And that's sort of, I did it in college with my own businesses. Coming out, you know, you kind of go get a job to get smacked around a little bit and learn the real world. Um, but I always knew that my passion was to um, at least give it a shot at at being my own boss and, and being part of a company and building something that I was passionate about for me. So I knew I was doing it eventually. I just had to get a little, you know, a little seasoning on myself, a little salt, get knocked around by the world a little bit until I was ready to make my move. Yeah. My mom always says you should go learn to shave on someone else's beard. <laughs> so that's a good metaphor. Um, but uh, okay. So looking back on it now, would you still do that same thing? Like go work for someone, do that, like learn a skill set or would you just go start your business right away? No, without a question. Um, I, I was happy that I got to work for people um, because I had some great mentors um, I, I got to not just mentors, but I got to learn how businesses work, um, how I couldn't just be a pure sales guy and think about closing, closing, closing. That's a tiny part of business. You have all the other stuff. So I had to learn and respect the follow-up and the process and the billing and the customer service and being a part of a team. And also just hone, like I've always had a natural ability to talk, um, to connect but I have to learn how to do it in a professional environment, how to lead that to a sale and consult. So no, I, I actually love the fact that I worked uh, for a few people until I was ready. You know, I felt like I had, a, you know, some maturity, not a lot at the time, but um, you know, I, I got some experience with the real world. What is this like? I was off mom and dad's dime. You know, I was fortunate. My parents paid for college and it helped me out when I was early, um, early job. So I got to build a little bit before I made the leap. Sure. So, so what were those, those first couple of jobs? Um, the first uh, real one, uh, believe it or not, um, I worked at a store on Madison Avenue, um, which was called, it wasn't my first one. It was my first real sort of job at the, called the counter spy shop where we sold. Uh, I knew a lot of people heard about the spy shops in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we were that. selling I know, I know all that. that type of fun equipment. 
Um, and uh, it gave me retail experience, literally somebody walking in cold who I had no relationship with um, that I had to build a rapport with. And we were talking about a sensitive subject because some of it was, you know, was security related. So, um, but I also knew that if they left the store, they weren't coming back. So I had to learn how to really close people, find out what their needs were, connect with them, and, uh, and close deals. So it taught me there. That was my first one. Um, and then from there, I went to the alarm security business in New York, um, high-risk high security, alarms, cameras, access, fire. And I was doing art dealers and fashion designers and furriers. So I really was pounding the street, that old-fashioned, building the building, knocking on doors, um, finding business, which I think is a great proving ground for anyone that wants to have their own business or be in sales. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it gets you uh, kind of desensitized to the fear of rejection. It not, yes. Uh, the fear of rejection, it teaches you about hustle and it also teaches you, if you do it right, how to turn yourself into a force multiplier, which I became very good at early on and sort of guided the other sales guys. I became sort of the manager there and would teach guys how to force multiply if you did it right, because I could only be in one spot at one time. So I became, in my industry, unique at you know, building this force behind me that no one else had done before. And it, it helped me become the top of the industry. Interesting. Talk about that more, Paul. So, you know, it was really simple. Look, I could only knock on so many doors. And um, get face to face with people. And I can only be in so many places at once, but let's take New York city for an example where I sold uh, security systems. Well, and I would tell my, my new sales guys is how many doormen do you think you could meet in a day? If you went doorman to doorman, bought them a coffee and they would say, I don't know, 20. I'd say, okay. That's a fair number. 20 doormen every day. So in the course of a week, that's a hundred doormen in the course of a month, you've met 400 doormen. They sit at the front of their building they know who's moving in and who's moving out. They know this is a security issue, and they're usually the trusted advisor to the building. So instead of me trying to sell all day long, I would go, and you know we're playing mathematics every week, 400. Right? I, you know, I mean, every month, two months, 800. By the time I was done, I had every doorman on the payroll because I would stop by, bring him a coffee, get him lunch. I had architects, electrician. Believe it or not, I had homeless guys on my payroll I would buy them lunch, and when a store would go out of business, they would put my stickers on the door that said, hey, if you need a security system, call this company. So I can only be in so many places at once, but I had an army of people out there that were looking for opportunities and then telling people, this is the guy you have to call. This is the guy you have to call. And they were respected, the doormen, the electricians, they were respected in their buildings. So who were you going to call? Some random guy in the phone book or the guy, the doorman of the building that you're moving into recommended calling. Yeah. So I learned very quickly how to um, scale myself that um, you just can't do anymore. It's not possible. Right. And it was by being, by, by being friendly, by talking to them. Obviously, we had to be a good company, provide a good service, but they knew me and trusted me. Yeah. So it was very simple. I didn't find it complicated at all. It was like the simplest thing to do. So I could literally sit in a podcast with you or I can sit in my office and talk to my friends and I had... 2,000 people in New York City being my eyes and ears and my salespeople. That's a smart way to sell. That is. That's, that's great, Paul. So uh, was it near this time when you started to think, well, I'm doing all this hustling for somebody else. Why don't I do this? Is Find a way to do it for myself. Yes. I, I always had the burning desire and played this game with the owner of my old company that you know, he wanted me to be in management and equity and be 
but it was sort of like that dangling carrot that it was always just there enough for me to taste. But this burning desire in my heart that like, you are going to regret it when you get older if you didn't take a shot. Look, take a shot. If you fail, which most likely you're going to fail because people do, you could always go get a sales job. I know that I have sales talent and I'll go to any organization. If I learn the product, I'll outsell who's ever there. I believe you have to believe that as a salesperson. It's not arrogance or cockiness. You just have to kind of have this attitude. So I knew that, look, if it fails, I could, I could say that I didn't, you know, a saying from one of my mentors, I didn't die in the chair. I got on the field, I got on the, you know, on the course and I gave it a shot. And if not, I'd go back. You know, at this point I had a, you know, wife and, and sort of family, so I was making a risk. But I knew that with my sales abilities, I could get another job, but I didn't want to live with regret. Um, and it's actually funny because the owner of my old company had given me a, a quote once, which, which kind of hit me hard, which was, you know, you, you know you're getting old when your regrets outweigh your dreams. And it sort of hit me in the chest. I'm like, I have all these regrets and I'm a young guy. You know, why you have all these regrets? You're still young. Go do it. So I planned it the right way and I made my move. That's it awesome. Out, you know, it worked out well and it was the right time and I did it right. Yeah, uh, that's very thoughtful. So what was the move? Um, so um, I had met um, my partner, the CEO of our company, Greg Hammerschlag. Uh, he had another company and he was planning on starting this phone number business. And, you know, forget the best laid plans where you study something in college and you get a degree in this. I met him playing softball. Um, we played against each other and he happened to have a good game. Um, we were going, my team was going to a tournament and we needed another player. He happened to hit the ball a mile and he played a great outfield. So I said, Hey man, you know, we're going to this tournament. We need another player. And, uh, you want to come? And he's like, I'd like to, I don't know if I can, cause I'm selling my company and I don't know the timing. Fast forward to two months later, he calls me and says, I can go. So but, you know, so we get on, I pick him up that like a week or two later and flying to uh, our tournament, we sat next to each other in the airplane. I said, so what is this new company you're starting? He goes, a phone number company. I'm like, what? And then we spent the entire flight and the entire tournament brainstorming and just blah, 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 blah. And he was like, dude, you got to come join me. And so it's amazing that it's sort of like I tell everybody, it's not about what you studied in school and your exact thing. Sometimes opportunities present themselves all the time. Um, this if he had had a bad softball game, if we didn't need another player, so if his company date didn't work, I'm in a different direction. It all just happened because I was looking for it maybe, and I engaged the conversation. And then you know, fast forward, I we started the company. Yeah, yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, how that kind of serendipitous. Uh, interaction came to be. But the idea of it is you got to be putting yourself out there. I mean, not really just, I mean, you're like playing softball. That's putting yourself out there. You got to be, you know, there's only so much that sitting in front of your computer and doing research and triangulating things and finding people on LinkedIn is going to do. There's, this is like the value proposition of, of WeWork, essentially. It was like, you're going to surround yourself with other people and who knows what's going to come of it. But, but Network, you know. network, network, talk. Yeah. explore. I don't care. You might think it's, you know, this is just a waitress. This is just the guy in the pizzeria. Everybody knows somebody is, and, and, and is part of conversation. That's maybe the guy's in a pizzeria because he wanted to open a pizzeria, but four of his best friends are entrepreneurs opening companies. I talked to every, I would always joke that if I went to a resort with my family, by the second day, I knew everybody in the resort. 
because I genuinely love talking to people and finding out what their story about. And if you talk to people and you keep your ears open, um, you connect and you hear about opportunities that you never knew would have existed. It's not listed on LinkedIn or on the job boards. There are things out there, but you don't know. And then all of a sudden, someone that you've known forever saying, I wish you told me, I mean, this happened to me actually yesterday. But someone said, oh, actually, I know you did that because I knew a guy doing this and it would have been perfect. If you talk and connect and network authentically, you, there's opportunities everywhere. It's not luck. It's, it, you know, they say with luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Like, it wasn't luck. I was, my ears were open for it and I, and I, in, I began the conversation. And then if it didn't go anywhere, okay, then he just came to the softball tournament and we had a good softball tournament. So right. what? But that, Paul, that authentic line you, you just kind of uh, spliced in there, that's like the crux of it. You can't always just be going through handouts saying, I'm looking for you know, a job, a job, a job. You were like genuinely interested in, in this guy's telephone number business. Yes, it, it, it's authentic networking. Networking is not going on LinkedIn and going, connect, 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 connect. Right. Hey, can you introduce me to this guy? It's, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? You know, what are your hot? It's just getting to know people and what makes them tick and what's important to them. And, you know, give, 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 give. Don't ask. You know, things will just naturally occur if there's a connection. But if you're out there with your handout, you know, just connecting because I know that you know people, it's not authentic. It's like, I tell people like, you know, you're, you know, pass out cards to everyone you meet. No, don't just slap cards around. Those cards go in the garbage. Engage in conversation. The giving of a card to someone, it's almost like the last step. Like at that point, I want to get to know people. And I don't mean know um, everything about their business. I want to know like who they are, like what makes them tick, what, what excites them in life. And then you build those connections and that's where opportunities pop that you never, I mean, I have people call me. We never discuss business or working together. And all of a sudden, like, Paul, you know, I was thinking about you. I think this could, I have a cool opportunity I want to bounce off you. Because I built my sort of reputation the way that they know that I'm going to listen. If it's not for me, I'm going to help them anyway. I don't want, I don't expect anything out of it. And I think that that's a skill that we need to teach more, um, you know, young kids coming up through the next generation of, of work. Right. Okay. So you come out of this softball tournament with, uh, a newfound business partner and a totally new idea to you. I bet you had never even thought about selling phone numbers, right? Never heard of it. Didn't understand it. I was like, when we got on the plane, I'm like, you're crazy. And then by the end of the softball tournament, he's like, why don't you join me? Now at the time I couldn't join him. I had a very good career. I was making good money. There wasn't enough, you know, to, there was enough for him, but not me. So I, I started with him. I kept my other job and every break for lunch, I would go to a restaurant, sit there and take every lead and then I'd run back to my other job and we would talk at night and I would go to the office when I got home to talk to him. And it was, I did that for a little while till I could really understand the business and we could build the business to a spot where it could support, you know, another, another, you know, salary and all this, you know, everybody thinks because he sold the business, he had money, you know, it's, it's tough starting a new business. So I did it right. Um, and then I planned my departure from my other business. I built myself a nest egg. I worked, you know, 27 hours a day, you know, I, I put money away. I cut back on expenses because I knew that I was going to start something new. I had a family. I couldn't just, you know, gamble it all on red. And, uh, I, I, I did it smart. I built, I, I gave my, uh, current employer all the time in the world because I wanted to leave, right? You don't burn bridges. I said to him, you can keep my email and my phone number on. You don't need to tell people I left. 
I'll help. I spent three months without my old boss knowing, introducing my sales guys that I had hired to all of my relationships, all of my contacts, my doormen, my architects that were feeding me business. I brought my guys and made personal contact because I didn't want to hurt the company at all. I cared about it. I cared about the people there. I was doing this for me. So I spent three months tactically making sure that none of my relationships would leave the security company I was working at. And then I made my move. I think it was important to do it right. You always, you know, you do, the right thing to do is always the right thing. And so I tried to do that. Wow. Very admirable. Um, I had a, that's, that's cool to hear. And then, so what was it that gave you confidence in this, in this, you know, telephone number business to be able to, to make that, make that jump? Um, I don't know if it was confidence in the telephone business as it was much, it was what I needed to do. It was the time for me to take my shot. I respected uh, Greg Hammerschlag, you know, the CEO who was starting the business. He was a very smart entrepreneur, successful. I respected him. I was looking forward to sort of learning from him and partnering with him and, and guiding. I knew that I could sell. I thought um, I believed so much in the power of human connection and voice that and that's what we're really about. Our vehicle happens to be the phone number, but our why is about human connection through voice, intonation, emotion, immediacy. I knew that was important. Um, I didn't believe it was going anywhere. Remember, this was also pre this digital craziness, uh, but I, my beliefs haven't changed at all. But I knew that um, it was a product that I believed in, that I thought would help business owners, and I believed in my ability to convey that and market it. So, and then eventually you have to step into the void. It's, you know, no one's ever going to come to you or not never and say, look, here's a guaranteed, you know, half a million dollar salary for 10 years. You know, your house is paid. Eventually you have to step into the void and, and trust yourself and know that it's nothing is permanent. If I did it and a week later we closed the doors, I would find something else. Right. Well, that's, that comes back to the confidence in yourself. And you know that if this product is, is anything worth buying that you'll be able to, to sell it. And if, and if it's not, then you can sell something else. And, but I believed in the product and the service. Yeah. It wasn't about the money. I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I believed in what we were doing. I loved the fact that we were only um, held back by our own creativity, like nothing else. It was kind of blue ocean. We could do whatever we wanted. And I love that. Um, and I believed in it. So I knew everyone I sold to, I, if, if they did it, I was helping their business. It, there was not one time that I felt, man, what is this guy doing? Right. I knew that it was good for them. So it was easy to convey. But at some point, and again, a lot of the lessons I understand now, I'm, I'm 15, 16, 17 years older and wiser. Um, you just, I don't know what the other path would be. Maybe if I stayed in my old business, I would have owned the company now and been a billionaire. But you can't think about that. That path was severed the second I left. There is no other path. This was my path, and I was going to put my all in it. And if it wasn't, I'd go to another path. Yeah. I mean, also, it comes back to the, that authentic piece. Like, you authentically believed in this business and that it was a good product, and you could sell it. And, and so it, it's all aligning here. Yes. And I think, you know, look, I didn't know this when I was younger, but I think too many people try and solve for money because um, they want things. And, and I think people need to solve for happy. Solve for being joyous and happy. Um, if you solve for money, you're really never going to be happy. I mean, what, you want to spend 10, 15, 20 of your years slugging away at something you hate because you can come home to a, to a bigger house. 
versus waking up every day and be excited about what you're doing and find so much joy in it. And then you'll find um, the way to make it work. And I, you know, I also, this was important to me. I was getting on a train at 630 in the morning. I had young kid, my son, and then my daughter. Um, I didn't see them in the morning. Um, they were asleep. So I would leave. I didn't see him. By the time I came home, maybe I had an hour with them before it was bedtime. And after 9-11, a real wake-up call for the people that thought, hey, I'm going to make all this money and then I'll retire young. And then they didn't make it. So I didn't want that. So now by leaving my career where I was top in the industry, I made very good money. Um, I got to see my kids in the morning. You know, I coached every team. If they needed a parent in the school, I was the one reading in the school. Like, you couldn't replace that for a million extra dollars a year, the lifestyle change I had. Look, I still worked hard, probably harder because you're an entrepreneur. You're taking calls on nights and weekends. But the fact that I could be around my kids and grow up with them, and you couldn't replace that for any, any amount of money in the world. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, it's an, it's an awesome story. And I'm sure people are sitting here thinking like, what the hell does that even mean selling phone numbers? So yeah. let's, <laughs> let's hear that. All right. So the core business we started in was taking toll-free numbers. Like when you see 1-800-CABLE-TV, 1-800-HOME-CARE, 1-800-HURT-NOW, right? 877-WINDOWS. We would take these great words that were easy to remember, right? And we would break them up and license them out by market. You know, you could take a number and I could license it to you for California, somebody else for Chicago, somebody else for New York. So we would take these great memorable assets and we would license them out by market. It's called shared use. So this way, multiple business owners could benefit from the same great asset, but they only need it in their market. They don't need it nationwide, right? So we took all these great toll-free numbers we came up with, 100-foot doc, whatever it was, and we would target that group and say, hey, you know, you, you sell home care services in Los Angeles. How would you like 1-800-HOME-CARE for the Los Angeles market? And that's what the, the business started as, strictly licensing toll-free numbers on a shared-use basis. Then we had companies that said, well, I need a national number because I'm bigger. So we, if it was available, we would license nationally. Then we had some companies say, I don't want a word. I just want easy digits. So we're like, okay, let's bring in some easy digits. So we brought in, you know, 888-222-2000, whatever it was. Right. And then gradually over the course of the business, um, which is started out as one name, now it's ringboost.com, we added in tracking numbers. Some people said, I can't use one number. I need 10 numbers to track different campaigns. So we added tracking numbers. And then about eight years ago, I sort of had an epiphany. Uh, it wasn't like you like to think it was intelligent design. I just kind of woke up and said, you know, why are business owners choosing their name, their logo, their domain, their social media page, their tagline? Most likely they pick the pink color in their office, but then they let the phone company hand them seven random digits for a local number. I'm like, that's insane. Why can't you choose a local number you like that's memorable, that says roof in it or hurt or limo or cash? Why can't I choose? Why do we allow the person on the other end of the phone or the store to give me my number? And so we said, let's start a local number business where we allow people to choose something that matters to them, that's more memorable, that connects to their brand. And so we launched a local business about eight years ago, and it's just been great. Business owners are like, this is great. I like, why would I take seven random things yeah. when I could be memorable? Yeah, no, it, to it totally it, makes it, sense. It, Paul, but, oh, I, I, I was going to ask behind the scenes, how does, is it like the domain business? Are you going out and like acquiring like thousands of phone numbers? 
Yes, we we have an inventory to make sure we had numbers in every market for the you know people that needed them and mm-hmm. focused on good endings and patterns and words that were important. And then we also um, developed unbelievable relationships with carriers to say, look, you're viewing them all the same as just digits, you know, computer entry. It's just some code, right? Well, there's other we see you know it's one man's you know, junk is another man's treasure. I see treasure. So we have relationships with carriers all over the country and say, hey, let us look at your randomness and let us, you know, pull out the ones or offer the ones that might mean something to a business owner and let us offer those. So we maintain an inventory. We also have great relationships, which like I've talked about this at a conference, you know, we're good for the whole industry. Why? Because we're driving more voice calls, right? More voice calls means for the phone companies, more minutes more sessions, you know, more PRIs, more all the things that they make money on because I don't want voice to go away. So while we're one small component, which is the phone number, it's also breeding more voice calls and all that other stuff. So the carriers that we work with are like, this is great because we're, we're, we're making sure that that connection point doesn't go away. And as we've seen with COVID and this whole lockdown, phone calls skyrocketed. Yeah. They've never experienced more calls. Because people needed to connect. They were working out of home offices and they needed to call each other all the time and Zoom, you know, all that other stuff. So it's been, it's just been great. So yes, we, we built inventory and relationships. Yeah. Paul, it's so interesting because like there's domains and social media handles that sell for millions of dollars, right? So like why, why don't telephone numbers sell for lots of money? Right. And, and I would talk to people all the time. And the only reason people didn't get it is because they were trained that you just get one from the phone company. Yeah. Right. But if you're just going to get one, like, then why did you get the domain? you know, match.com. Why don't you just get X, L, Y, P? Because you want it to stand out. You want it to tie to something that matters to you. And if I'm spending all this money on marketing, why do I not want to make it easier for someone to reach me? For someone not to have to look me up online where my competitors advertise. Now, don't get me wrong. Huge fan of online marketing, social media marketing, all that stuff. But why wouldn't you think about the easiest way to connect to your voice, to get you on the phone? Um, and when it comes to complicated products like legal services, financial insurance, you know, roofing stuff where you want to talk, you want to talk to somebody. I can't, I can't figure that stuff out on my own, you know? And so, um, we believe so much in the power of voice and the power of human connection that we want business owners to think about that strategy. Think about how they're going to let their customers connect with them. Yep. Super interesting. Totally makes sense. You know, have have you, you know, I did this test once with the radio group. Um, and, uh, I said, I want you guys to do something today on your way home. I want you to consciously listen to your radio station and nobody consciously listens to the radio. You're driving, you're having a conversation. The radio's on. I want you, I said, I want you to consciously listen to your own station. I'm not going to mention the station. And then when you get home, I want you to walk inside and write down all the phone numbers you remember from the ad and we'll talk tomorrow. And the next day they're like, we get it because they were consciously listening, but you're driving, you're looking at the road. Can't remember how to connect with these people. So it's like that phone number is like the last three feet. The ad was great. The jingle was good. I liked the product and service, but I don't remember how to call the business. So that phone number was the connection point. Um, and uh, it's been great. And, and I love the fact that we work with entrepreneurs all over the country. I work with Fortune 100 giants. I work with local dog walkers, you know, pet groomers, roofers, lawyers, um, insurance brokers, real estate brokers, I get involved and I get to understand 
every kind of business you can, there's literally no business that we haven't done, you know, numbers for taco franchises, you know, Shaq's, you know, pizza franchise. I think he's a Papa John's guy or something or Dom. Like we literally have dealt with every business you can think of. And it's awesome. I love it. You know, because I'm not just talking to the same kind of business owner and different things make different business owners tick. So you get to learn different, you know, industries, which is really cool. It is, it and, is super and cool. And people all over the all over the country, which is awesome. Yeah, it's very fitting for you. It, it like is it totally makes sense. It's a culmination of everything you've done in your career. I uh, I totally am, am bought in. So I'll get you out of here on this. I think you're the second actor to ever come on the podcast. I got to hear about the I got to hear about the acting part of the job. So again, this is the exact story I I told with my business, right? With how I met my partner playing softball. So my wife's family um, created the office. Um, Greg Daniels, my wife's cousin, and Paul Lieberstein, who was a writer who played Toby, uh, my wife's cousin. So I went to LA on business with my partner on phone number business, right? I was, I had a day to kill. So I called him. I said, Hey, do you mind if I come to the set and watch you guys shoot? I'm a fan of the office, love the show. And I, I wanted to see the process. So like, yeah, absolutely come by. So I spent the day on the set and literally met everybody from the security guy to the craft food services to blah, blah, blah. At one point, Greg Daniels said, do you want to come meet the writers? I said, okay. So he took me up to the writing room where Mindy calling and BJ and all those guys, they were writing. And he said, this is my cousin. He's a little crazy. Tell him about what you do. And for some reason, I can't tell you why. Maybe it was because there had been an earthquake in California. I talked about a side brand we had started around the number. We have a number called 1-800-PREPARE, and we built a preparedness company around a phone number. So I happened to tell him about this brand called 1-800-PREPARE. Three to four minute conversation. They said, all right, get out. We got to get back to writing. The second I walked out of the room, BJ Novak said, that guy's got to be a character on the show. <laughs> so he wrote a part called Cool Guy Paul. Nobody tells me this. Uh, fast forward or maybe three, four, five months later, because it was a writer's strike. I'm sitting in my office in Pleasantville and get a call from Paul Lieberstein, who played Toby. And he said, hey, Paul, it's Paul. And he's my cousin now. And he's like, look, I don't know if you're interested or you can do this or you want to do it, but we wrote a part. You were the inspiration for the character and we can't find an actor to play the part. Do you want to audition to play the part? I'm like, yeah, nice try. Where's the hidden camera? All right. And he's like, I'm serious, Bob. So all these things happened over the next hour, two hours with phone calls and scripts and and he goes, okay, you got the part. You got to be here tomorrow at 7 a.m. in L.A. So all this stuff happened. I called my wife. They got me a flight. I went out there um, and, uh, and shot this part where I played myself. And they were going to change the character name because I was the character. Please stop doing that. I was going to uh, you know, change it because I was doing it. I said, no, leave it as Paul Fowl. So I played Cool Guy Paul, the, the owner of Disaster Kits Limited. So it goes back to the exact same story and talk about networking and stuff that I told everybody over and over again. Sorry, my wife uh, has to be in the kitchen doing stuff. It's okay. Wait, it, is, yeah. it just happens that way. Um, I just went out there and talked to people. I didn't go out there, plan to be an actor. I didn't plan to be in the office. I just was authentic, talked about who I was, and unbeknownst to me, BJ Novak said, we got to write that guy apart. But, you know, they, and so it just, I was out there, I put myself out there, not on purpose, and an opportunity came. Yeah. So um, it was a great experience, you know, and so that's why I tell everybody, you never know if you're open and you're authentic and you network and you talk to people genuinely, 
you do not know what opportunities will come into your life. Um, and uh, I believe that so much more now than ever before. Um, you know, obviously my company Ring Boost, you know, ringboost.com is my, is my passion, but I'm all up for life experiences and doing new stuff. Yep. Well, Paul, it's just an awesome way to, to kind of wrap up the podcast here. The whole journey, the story, that last little story, uh, so much fun to hear. And I really just thanks for coming on and doing this. I thank you so much for having me. I, um, please, people could reach out to me. I don't know if you're going to give them how to connect with us. Um, if they have any questions, they don't have, they could just call me anytime. Even if they have no interest in a phone number, they just want to talk about the story or how to do something. I, I love connecting with you. Find me on Facebook, call me, yeah, email what, me. I love to connect. You don't ever have to do anything. Yeah, Paul, is your, is your phone number uh, 212-111-1111? No, you, believe it or not. So my number is 914-200-0013 because 13 is my lucky number. Yeah. Um, Paul at ringboost.com. They can find me on Facebook. They can communicate with me any way they want, but I love, obviously, voice call. But it could be a question about marketing, question about business. You want to know more about the office story? I don't care. You don't have – you can call me because you're getting a number from someone that's not me, and you just want to ask questions. Call me, connect, let's, you know, let's build relationships, and uh, I, I thank you so much for having me on. I hope you oh. can edit out the crazy stuff, the noise. And the <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Paul. This was, this was Thank this you was so much for having me. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends. Thanks.